Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. In this episode, we speak to Michael Crimp, the CEO at the IBC, or the International Broadcasting Convention. Michael has led the IBC through 10 roller coaster years of change and technological advancement, arguably having just dealt with their most disruptive year yet, 2020. We'll be learning a bit more about how the IBC overcame the coronavirus pandemic and what the plans are for the convention and the organisation itself in 2021 and beyond. Hope you enjoy. So welcome to the In The Hub podcast today, Michael. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. And thank you for inviting me. No, of course, thank you for coming on and appearing. Um, so I think we'll just get straight into the questions then, if that's okay with you, Michael. Yeah, of course, fire away. Awesome. So, Michael, how did you actually get started in the broadcasting industry and what was your background like? Well, uh, that was a long time ago now, back in in, uh, in the 80s, and uh, I was a sales guy. My, my dad was um, was a printer, and then I ended up working in publishing, and then I found my way onto a video magazine and uh, ended up coming to... Uh, first thing I did, actually, was I went to IBC 1984 in, in, in Brighton, and my job was to sell ads in, in the magazines. That's how I got into it. And then after a while, after a few years of, um, of doing that, I, I got made redundant. And they, and they gave me a reasonably decent little payoff at the time. And it was at the time when um, kind of desktop publishing had just started. So you could actually produce magazines quite simply on an Apple Mac. So me and a couple of guys bought an Apple Mac and we started our own publishing company. And and that that did okay for a while, um, till the internet came along and it kind of confused things a bit. And and also, um, you know, I had a good few years of having an office in Soho and having fun in the broadcast business. But I'd, I'd kind of, you know, got a young family by that stage, so decided that I probably needed to grow up a bit. So uh, I went to night school and I got myself a, an MBA and a, a consultancy qualification, and I started doing. Um, bits of consultancy and I'd met some of the guys who were running IBC at the time and they wanted someone to produce a daily newspaper and uh, help produce a daily uh, TV program for IBC so they asked me to to get involved doing that so that, that's how I did that and I did that for quite a few years actually and then um, eventually as IBC was growing they were looking for someone to to work on a future strategy for them and um, they asked me to do that, and that led to them offering me a CEO job. And I've been doing that for about 10 years now. So I guess like most people listening to this, you know, the, the career path is completely accidental. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's one thing we've learned doing these podcasts is that oftentimes it's, it's you know, people just fall into these things. And you think it's this this grand planned strategy, but it's it's it very rarely is, isn't it? No, I can't. You follow the line of least resistance and most fun. I think so. <laughs> I like that. So that they, obviously now that's led up to you now at the uh, the CEO role at IBC. So what were your initial impressions about the IBC when you first joined? I know that you said that you obviously attended the one in in, in Brighton um, mm. a little while back, and you know, was there always a clear direction that you wanted to steer the the uh, the convention in? Well, I was, I was quite you know pleased and flattered to be given the opportunity to talk to the industry about creating a strategy for it. IBC in those days, in big, bold letters, was International Broadcasting with a big capital B, you know, convention. 
and and um, really it was about terrestrial broadcasting. It was it was a, an international event, but it was very much focused on, you know, everyone's got an aerial on their roof. It seemed to me that talking to people and doing the research that the industry was changing massively. And so to try and give it some focus, we thought, well, what are the things that are changing it? So the first thing was, you know, other delivery mechanisms. So there was cable, there was satellite. And then on top of that, we've seen um, mobile communications. So it was important that IBC embraced those things. Um, And what we saw at the, the consumer end was screens getting bigger and better and cheaper all at the same time. So it became um, interesting for us to to think what the implications of that were and to roll out different parts. So we did things like launch content everywhere, which originally was a mobile zone. Um, We brought in our uh, big screen uh, theatre, you know, even had in the original days something like an IPTV zone. And I guess what was sitting behind that was the essence of the the strategy which, which, which we put together was, was to be agnostic about screens because everyone was talking about a TV screen. And in those days, there was a very basic mobile screen and then there was a computer screen that the internet couldn't do very much. And then there was a TV, which was sort of interactive, but really it was just receiving information and then a huge cinema industry. So we thought, well, let's be agnostic about whether we're in broadcast or not because actually all, all the skills and creativity in the industry likely to be the place where everybody converges to make sense of this so that was a very large um part of of, of the success and growth and you can see that for ibc now the um you know the ibc bit is more of a logo than international broadcasting convention and our current tagline which is empowering content everywhere is a kind of summary of of, of where we are in that strategy so and I had to bring it up, Michael. Um, but how have you guys been adapting to, to COVID nineteen? So obviously, with stuff like the IBC podcast that started and the the, uh, the IBC showcase, the virtual events, you know, what what have you guys been doing to adapt to COVID nineteen? Well, yeah, I think um, like everyone else, we we're um, struggling a little bit. We've not been able to to to, to kind of meet up. Um, I know it's a you know it's a big question you've asked. It's a strange place to to start, but you know, as a team. Um, we've found that um, adapting to kind of Zoom calls and all the rest of it has worked. We were really actually quite well set up with um, on Teams beforehand. We're doing a lot of remote working. Um, but uh, I, I think now in, in regards to lockdown, we all just want to get out and get back together. Um, you know, I think the day the pub opens will be a big day for, 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 for IBC because we haven't seen each other for a long time. So when we went into lockdown, we weren't really sure what to expect um we you know we're determined to kind of try and keep in pace with what the industry were looking for and that ended in a in a cancellation of the event um last year which you know clearly if you can't hold a safe and valid with both we've been there's, there's there's no point doing it so so we cancelled it there what we did have going was we'd launched something called ibc 365 which is uh, our online um, platform and like you say that has been developed with some some podcasts and some some video showcases and some things um over the last year and that's kind of kept us kept us ticking over and um probably a bit more than that this year i mean you know we're we're, we're kind of doing okay with that proposition it's 
they're quite well viewed. We generate some sales leads. People are interested in, um, in, in, in the content. So it gives us a viewpoint. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's a added value to a, a live event as far as we're concerned. Yeah. So we're, we're doing what we can until we can um, get back face to face. You know, sometimes you don't know what you're missing until you can't have it. Lots of people used to say, what's the value of a big event? Um, how would you measure ROI for that? And I used to say, well, if I knew how to do that, I'd probably be floating around the Caribbean in a yacht now rather than kind of, <laughs> you know, sitting here, right? So I don't know, and nobody knows, but I do know if there was ever a time where we couldn't have a large event, then we'd find out. And we didn't have IBC, we didn't have NAB. Let's face it, we all miss it. We want it back, right? So... Our job's to try and make it as uh, safe uh, as it needs to be for us to go ahead. We are reliant on uh, several factors. Main one, I think, will be kind of vaccine rollout in in uh, in the EU this year, um, and um, the confidence of, of of buyers in particular to to want to come to the show. So it's been a tough and difficult year, but I'm not going to whinge about that because that's been the same for everyone, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's. It, I've got to say, it's been great to see how you guys adapt, and it, it. You know, it only leaves us with optimism about how it can carry on, and um, basically to see these conventions adapt and these trade shows adapt. Um, yeah, it, it does leave you with optimism. Oh, well, I, I think so, and, and and right across the industry, I think the overriding feeling is camaraderie. And resilience yes, and, yeah. and all the things that you bring you bring you closer together and when you feel closer together you want to get together 100 percent, yeah completely agree so kind of coming out of this year then how do you think events conferences and shows will will emerge from this pandemic you know do you think they'll be purely virtual will there be a kind of hybrid mix or will it just be in person again i think they'll be i think they'll be hybrid but i don't think they'll be 50 percent physical and 50% digital, I think there'll be 100% physical and 100% digital. So if you were there, you'll get the benefit of, of both. If you're not able to attend, yeah. you'll feel like you've had some interaction, but I, I think you'll still feel that you're missing something you out. out yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, we obviously, from our point of view, the way that technology is now, we've been working hard to make sure that our, our uh, hybrid offering, as we'll call it this year, has enough of a of flavor of the real show floor we're planning to do some stuff live and very quick vod turnaround and if people look at that um, and are engaged in that if they're an exhibitor they will um be able to receive the sales leads from that because it will, we're trying to connect it up to their kind of on-stand presence so that uh, uh, if, if they if they feel like um they want to engage with people who are online they can do that too so we see it as a, as a an additional thing yeah. we think the content part of it is really strong i'm not sure that um you can really replicate a physical experience if someone could give me a virtual pint of beer that i'd enjoy then <laughs> they could prove their point but yeah. i'd rather be there um you know meeting people um but i do think we can uh enhance that and make it easier for people who are unable to get there by using um Digital. So digital becomes a new opportunity for us uh, in addition to what we're doing. I don't think it's a substitute personally. Many might disagree. We shall find out. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's more complementary. I think that's the best route forwards. Um, I don't see it as being this, 
you know, complete industry changer. And uh, instead of being at these shows, everyone's going to be sat in front of their computer screen for, you know, several hours a day. Yeah. Um, no, I completely agree with you. Um, and then, Michael, this is, you know, going off topic a little bit more, but, you know, can you envision the IBC show being anywhere but in Amsterdam? Yeah, um, I, I think so. I mean, I, I like Amsterdam. We, we've, we've been there a long time, but um, my, my heart's in Amsterdam, but my head's wherever the customers need to be to have a successful event. Um, the only thing I would say is I, I think that in our industry, the social part of it is huge. Back when I worked in the press, I, I was fortunate enough to talk to the IBC guys when they were considering how they might move out of the UK. And I know that that was an important factor. And one of the reasons they chose Amsterdam, you know, not just for its connection as a hub and the, the venue, being able to, to to enable IBC to grow and the fact that everyone spoke English, but the fact that it was a very social city. And I can't see IBC. I can see IBC going somewhere else if it if it needed to or had to, but I would say it would have to be somewhere pretty sociable. Um, it'd have to be somewhere like to just throw something out there, a, a Barcelona or something like that. I don't see it going to uh, necessarily to a big capital somewhere. It it we 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 do uh, like to take places over. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not just the case of throwing a dart at a map, is it? It's it's you've got so much to consider. Like you said, it's logistics. It's it's yeah, the social aspect and the environment as well. Yeah, and and you know we've sort of um, have a long term relationship with um, with the city of Amsterdam, and uh, yes, yeah, it's a bit like a long term marriage. You have, you have to work at it, but uh, <laughs> it, it um, I, I think it it works for the industry at the moment, and I'm sure they'd they'd, they'd stand up and say. Um, I did quite a bit of research on it for IBC a few years ago when they, they were thinking about um, whether they should look somewhere else. And the, to be honest, the, the, the data was quite divided and inconclusive. I think I'd summarise it in best in, in a kind of one-to-one conversations I had with people. It's like some people like change, so they're like, oh, let's go somewhere different. And some people don't like change. Oh, I always have the same room and same restaurant every year, right? So... <laughs> It came down pretty much 50-50. So in that instance, there, there wasn't really any real reason to change. But if one emerged, then, you know, it's it's my job and my duty to 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 do that. And, of course, we, we you know, as I say to our friends at the Rye venue, we, we have to look at alternatives and generate alternatives in case the Rye burns down. Yeah, that's very true. So a bit of a general question then, Michael. How instrumental are these trade shows to the broadcasting community? And I know it's been echoed over the last few months in, in just how much people are missing the interaction and stuff like that. Um, I think we've, we've truly realised just how instrumental they are. But, but you know, what is it about these shows that you think is, is instrumental to the broadcasting community? I've covered certain aspects of it, which I, I really wouldn't underestimate the importance of it being social and being face-to-face because business is built on trust, really. Um so you can do a lot of research on the internet, but if you're making really long-term big investments for you and your organisation, you probably want to go with a team of you and get to know the people because these things are so complex, they're not going to be smooth. You know, the things will go wrong. So um, you need to have trust in the people to be able to to um, to, to sort those out. So I, I, think, um, I think that's important. I mean, I, I could quote you, you know, from my ABM research about 
the billions of, of, of trade that's done if you take the two big trade shows in the industry. But, you know, as someone who runs a business, and I'm sure lots of exhibitors would back me up. In fact, many have when I've, you know, spoke to them. IBC is a point in time and um, you get your products ready for it, you get your marketing ready for it, you get your team all set up for it, you get your, de- you know, it, it is um, a point in time where everything happens. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, you know, just to compare it with the digital world, there's a deadline every second, right? Because, you know, you can just say, well, I, yeah. I was going to do that today, but it can happen tomorrow. Well, if our show opens at nine o'clock on Friday morning, that's when it opens. So the curtains go up and everyone needs to be, you know, doing their, 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 their tap dance. So yeah. it's, um, I think, um, a very, very important um, from that point of view. And then, of course, there's just that human part that you can, that, that um, a teams of people can go over and they can meet other teams, they can meet other companies, they can do all kinds of things. And um, that's where the value is. No, I completely agree. And Michael, this is a question we ask at the end of every podcast. Um, and in one word, what do you see as the future for the broadcasting and film industry? Uh, it's difficult in one word, but I would say yes. innovation. Innovation. Um, yeah. And uh, you give me, if I'm allowed a sentence, just a, just a, oh yeah, you can explain, yeah, just explain yeah. it. Uh, you know, I've I've seen so many things come into this, into the industry over the years, where in some industries they've been a problem. I mentioned desktop publishing and and some technologies and you know what they've they've done for the newspaper industry, for example, which is basically sending in a bit of a downward spiral. But we've managed to um, adapt and adopt. You know, OTT was meant to be a big threat. Well, it isn't anymore. It's just part of us, right? It's part of what we do. So I think the fact that we're welcoming, we don't sort of push technologies and people away as threats. We see them as an opportunity to innovate is uh, something that I see in the industry. It's one of the reasons I'm kind of proud to be part of it because people want to collaborate and and solve those problems. And we've got, um, you know, I mentioned earlier about different technologies that have enabled the growth of, IBC, you asked me, but really they're IBC is just reflecting the growth of the industry. And you look at 5G, for example, you look at AR and VR and some overlaps with the games market, that's just one area, right? So you look at applications of, of, of AI and you suddenly start to go, well, wow, there's there's really a lot of things um, that uh, um, and a lot of skill and positive creativity in this industry. Um, which I have absolute faith in will will, will mean that um, you know we'll we'll continue to be the the, the, the forefront. No, yeah, completely agree. Um, and just to finish on then, Michael, were there any exciting projects in the pipeline with you or the IBC that you can talk to us about today? Yeah, I, I think um, probably the, the 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 thing that I'm been working on hardest and haven't quite managed to crack yet is to try and create some kind of five G environment within the Rye. Obviously, to do that. Quite the conversations need to start at kind of Dutch government and ministry level, and then the Rye, and then and then the big operators. Because I think five G has got so many potential uh, applications um, that it would be really good to do that. And I mentioned earlier about our, our big screen theatre, um, uh, esports. We did an esports tournament recently. IBC's got a, a history of saying. Well, if there's a new technology, 
let's not just demonstrate on the stands. Let's get some of the exhibitors together, find an area of the Rye or the city um, and do that. In fact, as part of our 2020 showcase last year, we had um, we did a live 5G broadcast from Amsterdam. It's the first time it ever been done. Um, and so I think, you know, if I was going to pick out one opportunity, it's not just the 5G technology, but understanding the applications and the business models around that will be the next one of the next things we want to look at. Yeah, it's crazy to see how, how far along 5G has come along in the last year, just in terms of, of, of obviously uh, awareness um but just how far it's developing um and then how can people get in touch with you or the ibc to find out more about anything that you guys are up to uh, you can email me that'd be easiest <laughs> my email is m crimp so i spell my second name c-r-i-m-p at ibc dot org so there's no dot in the end between the m and the crimp so it's a whole one word m crimp at ibc dot org Awesome. So, Michael, thanks so much for coming on today and speaking with us. It's been really great and a great insight into what IBC is doing at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Thanks for inviting me.